Folks, normally this week is a rough week every year. You have to listen to Wolverines yap about their football program as if we were still in the glory days of baby boomers. But this week has been a lot worse, and so their nonsense is a dull murmur. We'll eventually talk some sports, crack some beers, have some laughs, spew some takes, and answer your Twitter questions. But first, we're going to talk about loss and mental health. So let's hit the music and get into it. You're listening to Can't Read, Can't Write. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Can't Read, Can't Write, the podcast that proves to those Wolverines, Spartans can talk. I'm your co-host, Mike Jones, joined as always by my friend and co-host, Kevin Greck. If you enjoy the episode, we sincerely appreciate if you'd share the podcast, rate it, review it, and subscribe to it. And of course, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at Spartan underscore pod. Kevin, how's it going? Well, I mean, Jonesy, it has been a tough week. Uh, I think everyone tuning in is probably aware at this point, but uh, the Spartan community lost former football standout Charles Rogers earlier in the week, uh, which will, of course, go into greater detail detail later in the podcast. We've got some great Twitter questions uh, sort of uh, remembering uh, Charles Rogers. And then, of course, Sunday morning, we all woke up to the news uh, that uh, Zachary Winston, Cassius Winston's brother, uh, had the previous night uh, on campus at Albion College, where he goes to school, uh, intentionally stepped in front of a train. Uh, Cassius's father, Reginald, and brother Kai were in attendance uh, in the game on Sunday evening against Binghamton, which uh, Cassius played in. He played really well. MSU won. Um, but it was a tremendously emotional scene, um, and out of respect for the Winston family's wishes and acknowledging, uh, Cassius's posthumous open letter that he posted on Instagram, which is a great read. You should go check it out if you haven't already. Um, we won't really belabor the, the individual tragedy of this, um, but we did want to talk about the subject a bit more broadly. Yeah. And, you know, uh, We've whether it's dealing with loss, uh, dealing with um, your the emotional weight that you as an individual might carry around, or or the struggles that friends and loved ones loved ones might go through, uh, we thought it would be maybe best and and appropriate because we're just two dudes uh, to bring on a, a good friend of the pod and a, a licensed school counselor in in the Lansing area. Um, who uh, received a, a master's in, in school counseling to talk sort of broadly about mental health, what you can do if you feel like you might need some help, uh, and what you might be able to do if you feel like someone you know and love uh, needs some help. Uh, and so with that, uh, Samantha Zill, welcome to the pod. Hi, guys. Hi, <laughs> welcome. I'm so glad that you could join us for such a... a <laughs> upbeat topic yeah uh, well fun thanks for having me i'm honored to be your first guest i'm sorry it's under these circumstances but honored well, we're, to be we're, the first we're... can't read can't write guest yeah i mean certainly wish uh, maybe yes different circumstances but thrilled to have you I, I guess samantha if you could tell us a little bit about um you know sort of the what's where mental health and particularly around suicide, uh, what's happening right now, particularly for young people? Um, yeah, in the last like 10 or so years, there's just 
like the number of suicides has skyrocketed, especially among young people. Uh, like ages 10 to 24, I think it increased about 56%. And this is something that anybody that works in a school will tell you just the incredible number of students that come in all the time throughout the year, um, especially though during this time, kind of the holiday season, it really kicks up and we just kind of see it constantly. Kids coming in talking about self-harm or wanting to kill themselves. And there's a lot of different ideas on why this is happening, but um, a lot of research is being done to really figure this out. So Samantha, for a listener who might be feeling like they're in a dark spot or has contemplated uh, talking to someone, reaching out to someone, but maybe doesn't feel comfortable talking to a friend or a family member, what can they do? What are resources they can turn to? Uh, seeking out counseling is a great option. Um, getting set up with counseling can sometimes be confusing because there are a lot of different options out there. So speaking with a primary care physician can be a great start, and they can kind of guide you into the best referral that would be a good fit. If you don't have a primary care physician, uh, contacting your community mental health center in the area, if there's no community mental health, um, just any health center, hospital, anything like that, reaching out to them and they can point you in the right direction. Uh, if that's too much, you can also just Google counseling in the area and see what looks good to you. And that's a great place to start. If that all is too much, though, um, or especially if you have immediate needs, um, like if you are feeling that you are a danger to yourself, definitely contacting a suicide hotline is a great option. And there's a couple different options. Well, there's a lot of different options, but the two biggest ones um, that I like to refer people to, there's the National Suicide Hotline that is 1-800-273-8255. And that they're open 24-7 every day of the year and someone will pick up and they can kind of help you through what you are feeling and just get you what you need. I uh, if talking to someone is just too much to deal with, there is also the crisis text line, which is a great option. Um, you just text the word home to 741-741, and you automatically are connected with someone. And so if you just feel like it's easier to express what you're feeling and going through through text, then that's the perfect option. The best thing is just to make sure you are talking to someone, whatever that's going to be. And, and for listeners, I would just say we will leave uh, both of those numbers in the show notes for this. Um, and if at any point in time, you know, you, you're confused about resources on Twitter, our DMs are always open and we will make sure to get you to a resource. We're not the resource, but we will find a resource for you. Yeah, an appropriate resource. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, let's say... <clears throat> You're an interested party. You have a friend or relative that you have concerns about. Uh, what kind of resources are you avail are available to you as a, as an external, uh, you know, helper, uh, or like how do you even approach that situation? 
Yeah, that's a good question because I know that's something that really everyone probably struggles with at different points. Um, there is a great website that kind of walks you through different steps. If you guys also want to post. Um, we get tons on- of resources. This <laughs> yeah. is going to be our most resource heavy podcast. Uh, but it's be the one two, and it just lays it out in really easy steps. And so uh, asking that person if they are thinking about suicide is really the first step. There is a myth that talking about suicide can lead people to then thinking about suicide that wasn't there before. And that is absolutely not true. Um, So you can dispel that that myth? Yes. Okay. So don't worry. Like if you're going to bring it up that that's all of a sudden going to make someone think about it, either they're already thinking about it or they're not. So um, it's important for you to know where they're at and if that is something they're considering. Uh, from there, especially like if they say that, yes, they have been thinking about suicide, finding out if they have a plan, if they've tried it before. Um, if the answer is yes to both of those, that, I mean, just really kind of hikes up the seriousness and helps you figure out how immediate the need is for them to get help. Um, Making sure you're there for support is another good one. And kind of keeping that in mind that that's exactly what you are. Your role as a friend or a family member is exactly that. You're not the therapist in the situation. Um, The role of support is equally as important, but it's a different role. So then making sure that you can provide that friend or family member with the resources that they need. So whether that's the hotlines or getting them set up with a counselor, or if it's super immediate, calling the hospital and getting them into an intake. And um, that's kind of the best way to go. And then just from there, following up with them, checking in to see how they're Mm -hmm. doing. Um, Aside from those things, though, just making sure you're also taking care of yourself is super important Mm -hmm. because it's a really emotional and difficult thing to go through when someone you care about is experiencing these things. So just making sure you're checking in with yourself, talking to someone about how you're feeling if you have lost someone to suicide or for to anything. making sure that maybe you're seeking counseling yourself or um, getting involved in a grief group. And there's lots of great resources out there as well for that. Great. Um, and the, the hotlines that, that we'd mentioned, if, is that something that you can call for resources if, if you're not in a particularly bad place but are, are curious about another person? Ooh, great question. Yes. Um, yeah, it does not have to be for someone who is feeling suicidal or in crisis, it can absolutely be for someone that is just worried about a friend or a family member. And um, that suicide hotline, the crisis text line, they both provide support to friends and family. So those are great resources for everyone. Well, uh, Samantha, thank you so much for coming on. And, and hopefully, you know, I, I learned things and I, I hope some of our listens, listeners learned some things too. Uh, it it has been a, an emotional week, and I can only imagine what the Winston family is going through. So thank you for, for hopefully turning this into a bit of a positive moment. 
Thank you guys. I appreciate the opportunity. And happy Mental Health Awareness Week. Yes. Happy Mental Health Awareness Week. Now, a word from our presenting sponsor, Fraser's Pub, Ann Arbor, Michigan. Kevin, can you imagine a better place to watch the MSU Michigan football game if you had to be in Ann Arbor than Fraser's Pub? I'd rather be at Fraser's than the stadium. That's for sure. <laughs> it, there is more space for your butt there. <laughs> That's Folks, foreshadowing. <laughs> for a, not a sponsor. This is a real sponsor, and we do want to let you know uh, a few uh, fun facts about Frasers, particularly Frasers on game day. One, everything is in a plastic cup. Martini, they'll say, what are you ordering? But plastic cup. Scotch, plastic cup. Beer, plastic cup. Water, plastic cup. It is a tailgate experience with wood paneling. You cannot beat it. The waitstaff, saltier than ever. But top-notch, of course. Oh, top-notch. I mean, they are slinging drinks like they've been doing it for years. And in fact, they're professionals. They have been. They're great. Three. Want to let you know, listeners of Can't Read, Can't Write. Special offer. Special offer. Bow, bow, bow. The first listener of Can't Read, Can't Write to go into Fraser's Pub on game day and let the manager know. you got to ask for the manager and tell her that you are here because of Can't Read, Can't Write. You are getting a beer on us. That's right. We wanted to. We wanted to. It's a little. Sergi, we want to do something nice. A lot of people are going to be in town. And uh, yeah, we've got an actual sponsor that's an actual bar in an actual place that this game is happening on Saturday. So you got a little bit of a golden ticket. First one in, gets a beer on us. Mm-hmm. You got to let the manager know. Can't read, can't write, sent you. Uh, and do check out their beer of the month, the uh, Euchre uh, Pilsner. Light, refreshing. It'll be great for a game day where you're probably having more than one drink and hopefully not feeling like you need to drink during the game. And this is real, by the way. Don't be bashful. Walk up triumphantly and claim your prize. They're excited about it. We're excited about it. And uh, yeah, have a good time. We, yeah, we would love it if, uh, if you happen to uh, be the first one there and get it. Uh, please take a picture, send it to us uh, on Twitter at Spartan underscore pod. Uh, we'd love to see the love for the podcast, but also for Frazier's Pub. So uh, go check it out. And with that, we'll move to the green wall. Yeah. Uh, Kevin. So the game. Uh, yeah. Well, which is, one? Let's, well, let's start with okay. some basketball. Yeah. Let's start, <clears throat> let's start a little lighter, and then we'll, we'll take it down a notch. So uh, MSU basketball, bounce back win, of course, uh, against Binghamton. 100 to 47, final score. There, I mean, we're not going to pretend that, uh, you know, that this was some kind of like redemption moment. Uh, hopefully that comes on Thursday, which we'll be, we'll be talking about in greater detail coming up here against Seton Hall. But there were some things that you can learn from a game like this. Uh, and we, you know, there were some things that really uh, struck, like stuck out to us. Um, Marcus Bingham, not a flash in the pan, as it turns out, continue to give Great minutes, played really well. Uh, Rocket Watts needs to find a shot a little bit. Uh, I think everyone, I mean, we're happy for him. 
true freshman starting combo guard uh plays a little bit ahead of himself uh gets himself in some situations that he's not quite ready for uh and really like really struggling to find his shot but uh fortunately the uh the team sort of picked up the the slack a little bit more than they did uh against Kentucky and then uh i think it might be worth keeping an eye on Foster Lawyer who uh played some significant minutes in relief of Cassius Winston and even against Binghamton seemed to kind of struggle to find his role on the court uh what did you take away from that one Jonesy um well uh my big takeaway is uh, other than the actual basketball notes you just had are a couple fold one when it is all walk-ons on the floor they are not passing the ball that last <laughs> two minutes it was whichever dude had the rebound was not going to pass it to anybody else and he's taking a shot and you know what Shame on them because Stevie Izzo was on the court and didn't get to touch the ball once. Uh, uh, still, I mean, I'm happy for those guys when they get to get out there. Uh, I, wait, I like and that. by the way, I thought Tom Izzo was going to redshirt Stevie. He burned that. Yeah. Burned it. Yeah, he's not, he's not green shirting. He's not blue shirting. Uh, I, you know, years ago, at the ends of games like these, blow games like these, it would be like the last... Uh, you know, players on scholarship on the court and they just sort of like walk their way through the last two or three minutes so that, you know, it wasn't disrespectful to the opponent. I love putting in the walk-ons and letting them just jack up shots. I think that's way better use of the time and no one can get upset about it. (laughs) They were chasing that hundo like nobody's business. Yeah, they they were going to crack three digits no matter what happened. I mean, I... And this is not being disrespectful to walk-ons because they're far superior athletes. But it remind me of like under ten rec league games, the way people were just throwing shots up to try and get it to go in. It was so that's takeaway one for me. Takeaway two, I'm starting to suspect that Thomas Kithier is the least popular member of the team. You know yeah. why? Why? Tell me about because it. Because his teammates keep hitting him in the nose. They hate his face. First, Marble just breaks that nose in practice. And then Tillman makes his, his plastic mask fill up with blood after throwing another bow in the game. It's like a, a game that was clearly in control. A little face blood bowl for you, Thomas yeah. Kithier. Bless so, your heart. Look, we told you last week Binghamton was not going to be a thing. Um, and you can tell by my big takeaways Binghamton was not a thing. What, it, what truly, I, th- I think, I don't want to say was impressive or, or maybe laud the heroics, but um, as we briefly mentioned, you know, Cassius Winston did have a hell of a game and, um, and you know, found his shot, which he hadn't had at Kentucky, um, and made some amazing passes. Yeah, yeah, he was playing uh, out of his mind a little bit. Uh, just to put things in perspective, uh, Binghamton, Ken Palm, 334. So out of what, like 350 out of 353 Chicago state worst team in the country, according to, uh, according to our guy, Ken Pomeroy. Uh, so yeah, I will also keep say, that in mind as you watch the guys run around and have fun. Um, we'll get a yeah. much better, you know, look at what the team's capable of against Eaton Hall. 
I, I, I will say, you know, Winston had that amazing one-handed, like, underhand slash side-armed pass up the court to, was it Watts? Uh, For maybe. a dunk? Could yeah. be. Uh, Seems likely. Which, which was sick. But Speaking Foster, of- Lawyer, Foster Lawyer had a dish to marble for an alley-oop that was also yes. insane. I and- could get used to uh, Lawyer to marble. And uh, Rocket Watts had a dish back to, uh, to Thomas Kithier that he probably wished hit him in the face, uh, but didn't <laughs> hit him straight in the hands. Uh, so, yeah, there was Behind some, the back, uh, right? Yeah, behind the back as he was streaking for the hoop. So um, there were a lot of things to be excited about, but uh, it's a, I mean, it's a good bounce back win for those guys uh, after a, a tough game against Kentucky. But yeah, and, and, we'll talk and more about night. the team coming up. Yeah, and yes. of, of course, I don't know. So, uh, le- look, um, that's enough about Binghamton. Uh, <laughs> what, but what can we say about football? I mean, I... Uh, go ahead. Just, I, I mean, I, I was talking smack to people who were saying, take the under on the spread at halftime. Actually, and I'll say I blame myself a little bit for the loss because with, what, 50 seconds left in the half thinking everything was fine, I decided to go and get some pizza, come back, things have changed all of a sudden, given up a Hail Mary, and then a total fourth quarter collapse. For those who didn't see the game, you probably know we were up by 25, I think, going into the fourth quarter. Yeah. Kevin, would you rate this as possibly the worst loss in the Mark D'Antonio era? Uh, there's a Twitter question coming up to that, you know, the think piece there. Uh, on the way back uh, to my house from the stadium uh, where we stayed till the bitter end, went down with the ship. It was the biggest meltdown I can remember seeing in Spartan Stadium. Uh, from the time that I, I began as a fan. But I think we should, uh, I mean, everyone felt those feels. Can we look at the good for a second? Were there I, glimmers I of hope for that. you in this yes. game? Yes, great question, because there actually was a fair amount that I was excited about from this Tell game. me about it. Let it just pour it over me. So uh, Chuck Harvey might remember Noah Harvey's father who added us on Twitter yes, er, last week um, for a Twitter question. Uh, we still owe him some scotch, by the way. We offered him some scotch for being subscriber 100 or follower 100. Pardon me. Already gotten uh, he, he, told he, on that. Uh, Got to get the terminology right. So uh, Chuck, if you're out there, scotch still available. Yeah. Well, uh, was not wrong. His son, we're assuming it's his son, showed up like a total stud. He just came like a total stud in the game and uh, led the team in tackles. Had two and a half, I believe, for a loss. I think he had a pass deflection. Just, I mean, if there's someone who is possibly going to replace Joe Bocci, um, I mean, again, just came like a total stud. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I was excited to see it. Uh, it was... 
quite the display. I would add Eli Collins to that list. Uh, I didn't see a lot of coverage on this, but me just watching the game in the stands, I was impressed by some of his moves. I was impressed by uh, his power that he was running with. Uh, so I would well, add- Kevin. Yeah, you, Michael. You can't you can't give Elijah a total uh, shout out without also shouting out the two freshmen who started on the O line who played very well. Yeah, uh, I mean at center and right guard, uh, Samak and uh, Duplain got some push. I mean it it was good. The offensive line had moments where they looked really good. I'm moments. confused why we stopped uh, running the ball so much in the fourth quarter oh. uh, when, when we were getting are pushed. You, but, are you transitioning but, us into the, uh, the other side of the coin? The dark side uh, of the moon? Uh, I mean, sure. <laughs> Was I, that the I turn? Mean, I, we'll call it the turn. Yeah, but it, yes, uh, I, wanna, I, I do think the good was uh, those things. Uh, also, Trey Mosley looked good. Julian Barnett had a moment. Like... He did. I, I'm honestly, you know, whenever I say something on Twitter about how I'm actually optimistic about the offense next year, everyone's like, oh, but what about the quarterback? Give it a break. We will find a serviceable quarterback next year. There's four of them. There will be a serviceable quarterback. We have some speed and we have some power. I, I am up on the offense next year, assuming we make some, some changes. I also like the conflicting reports in the media uh, about who it was that was told to start getting practice reps in when, uh, and we'll get into this as well, of course, when Lewerke had his moment where perhaps he would have had to have left the game. Uh, I've seen all three of the backup quarterbacks being mentioned on Twitter or in other media as being the ones that got the nod to start warming up in the bullpen. So, uh that was hilarious to me. That's just a little aside for everyone. Yeah, it'll be an open competition next year, and good. Good. Yep. Uh, yep. So, yeah, Greg, take us to the dark side of the moon here. Well, uh, this was something that I had originally characterized as good, but we'll use this as, as sort of as we lean into the bad side. I mean, we started this podcast uh, with a thesis that the Arizona State game was an outlier that you could take the tape, you could throw it out, that you could do the old Tom Izzo, walk it into the press conference and bash it with a hammer. Um, It's not an outlier anymore. There have been two Arizona States. And let's not forget that the Indiana game was a nail-biter masquerading as a nine-point victory because of, you know, the way that that, uh, the touchback touchdown uh, to, to end the game. So, this season has not turned out uh, the way that anyone anticipated, to say the least. And I, I'm i not sure that I'm willing to chalk it up entirely to luck or injury. I, I think that this team has uh, shot itself in the foot uh, time and again. And it's obvious. It, it, you can't, you can no longer deny that there need to be changes to the team in one way or another at the end of this season. Right, and so, you know, at his post-game press conference, Mark D'Antonio was asked in, I think, a polite way, you know, uh, what, what do you say to the fans about the direction of the program and, and the, the long-term vision for it? I'm paraphrasing. 
and scowl. Next question. You know, look, a couple weeks ago, we made fun of Hondo for his dumbass question. And it was more of a dumbass question in the way that he asked it. Um, it was the summoning time, up the courage. It was the, like the, the grand gesture of it. That yeah, was, it, was, it was the parading. And, and in fairness, it, it, to a degree, it is a dumbass question because Hondo was asking him to throw his current coaches under the bus. Mm-hmm. And people who get upset about D'Antonio not throwing someone who's being paid and he's actively coaching players under the bus is a fool. He's not going to do that, nor should he do that. By the way, anyone who thinks Bill Beekman is going to say anything other than support for Mark D'Antonio is also a fool, either because Bill Beekman is white bread or (laughs) because what else is he going to say? What's the point right now, especially going into Michigan week? What's he going to say? But Mark D'Antonio, we can say, I I think, with certainty and, and firmness, at this point in time, man, you're getting asked in a respectful way. What do you see as as the bright spot in the future? What you know? What are you going to tell fans who are upset? And he should say something. You can't just next question that. Yeah, and this was something that you specifically called out. You need to see a vision for things going forward. You need some kind of commitment. You you were looking for those affirmations, and uh, I understand that you know Mark in the heat of the moment after a game like that, I think he said in his press conference on Tuesday that it's a loss that'll stick with him maybe forever. I'm, I'm paraphrasing now. I don't remember exactly what it was, but, uh, so it was a heartbreaker, but that's a fair question. Uh, if you were there, you saw what the stands looked like. Uh, this is a fan base that needs some indication for why it should bother to show up on Thanksgiving weekend, um, which it, yeah, it won't you don't, right now. We're not asking him to say that things are, are rosy, and we're not asking him to th- say anything other than, this isn't where I thought we'd be, and this isn't where I want to be. Like, that's mm-hmm. all he needs to say. But what we do need is some commitment to a better future. Because otherwise it looks like you're just angry, and you don't care about the fact that we're upset too. Like, you... What made us love you in the first place was, A, you weren't hiking Kilimanjaro during peak recruiting season, <laughs> a.k.a. a la John L., and B, that you spoke our language. You yeah. got it. And as, and as we get into previewing hate week, you know, that, that was what resonated with us, is that you got how much we hate the University of Michigan. You got we were tired of losing. You got that we were tired of being a joke. And it seems like you think because you did something really well for a really long time and took us to places that we'd never been before, that gives you a free pass for years to come. And, it's, it, and you don't. There have been lean times before in the MSU program, and I seem to recall that he wasn't great at negotiating those press moments either. Uh, but he has had, you know, moments where he's been, you know, he's spoken from the heart, he's gotten into it. Um, so. We'll see. I I think I'm leaning back out on him retiring at the end of the season. Uh, but that's just entirely speculation. That's just the gut. So, yeah. And and we, we won't belabor this further. And, and I think it's just a, you know, um, 
maybe the lesson here is that don't ask him these questions in the post-game conference because I, I won't fault him for being super competitive and not being like super chatty after a loss. I, I can empathize with that. I get that. Because uh, he was better on Tuesday. You're right. He, he was more reflective on Tuesday. Um, but he, he should take a minute to just talk to fans. I just need to hear from you, man. Yeah. That's all. Should we move on to the uh, outrage that came out of that uh, Tuesday press conference? Should we oh, yeah. pull Dom's wet blanket up over our heads and waterboard ourselves with it? <laughs> yeah, so shout out to, to Dom, at Dom Garrett on Twitter, um, for, for the question that Greg and I had been debating amongst ourselves a little bit um, prior to it. And so Dom continues the streak of, of trying to destroy our friendship. Indeed. Uh, <laughs> he found, he just needles just the right spots. He's got a niche, you know, yeah. I support it. Um, so the, the crux of the, the question, the background of the question, which we'll get to in a second, is that uh, Brian Lewerke had, our, our quarterback, had run the ball at one point uh, and got hit seemingly maybe with a leg, uh, but there was, there was head contact. Um, he did seem to collapse kind of hard. Uh, Matt Seibert, the tight end, was nearby, seemed to think that he needed medical attention and had waved for the trainers. He beckoned uh, to the sidelines. Yeah, uh, sure. He beckoned to the sidelines, though, uh, and in an unmistakable gesture. Sure. Um, and then Lorky did get up, uh, was asked by the referee uh, if he was okay, apparently, and he said he was fine. The next play, Lewerke throws a pick six um, to an Illinois uh, safety, I believe, with no receiver in the ballpark. So that led to speculation that he had a concussion. And Greg, you want to give the rest of the background on concussion gate? Well, yeah, so there was a question, another one, on Tuesday from Chris Solari about how was Brian Lewerke evaluated. And... Mark D'Antonio lacked the finer details of his evaluation. And in the immediate aftermath of that, there were a number of a number, well, a number of people on social media. Go ahead. I, I think you're glossing over a little bit because Mark D'Antonio didn't lack the finer details. Mark D'Antonio said that he was fine. That too. I, I mean he said he said he didn't need evaluation. Okay. Yeah. And and then and then the university released a statement that said otherwise. That indicated that he had been evaluated right after the play and then again after the game, right? Right. Okay. Or after the after the series or after the pick six. Sorry. I, I threw back to you mid Uke pills and I, I took you by surprise. So uh, <laughs> I apologize for that. But uh there was uh there was quite the brouhaha on the Twitters and the message boards as a result of this. Uh and one uh, Jake Hawkins uh, asked a question. Uh, how do we feel this relates to the infamous Shane Morris uh, uh, Brady Hoke uh, against Minnesota? What was it, 2014 incident? Yeah, and where, where Shane Morris clearly kept getting his leg just pounded. Well, it started with that, and then he took one straight to the chin, the the crown of a of uh minnesota's uh like a linebacker's helmet straight to the chin and couldn't stand needed help to stand after that uh i can understand now reviewing uh now i the only thing i've seen the only type i've seen on this brian lewerke hit 
is a like 10 second Twitter clip, which I think lacks the context that I would need to say definitively. Um, but I would say that there's very little, uh, in common between this Lewerke, uh, incident and the Shane Morris incident in 2014, uh, other than that they both involve quarterbacks having a potential head injury. Uh, one was much more evident than the other, I would say. Yeah. And, and I would add though about Shane Morris that in the multiple plays preceding that hit, I mean, that, the YouTube clip on that is like six and a half minutes. Yeah. And so you're seeing multiple plays where, uh, I forget who the color guy is, but the, the announcer uh, on the broadcast is saying, I, I can't believe he's still in there. And that was about his leg yeah. because it kept getting drilled. So, I mean, the, the coaching negligence, the training staff negligence in that particular case, vastly different than this one. Um, and, and Dom's question, though, by the way, I think pointed more to, um, and actually to, uh, to read it directly, is Lorky stood up after that hit and shook, the, shook his head directly in front of the ref. Is anyone going to talk about uh, that part or just heap all the blame on the shoulders of the coach that they are already disappointed in? And I think Dom raises a really fantastic point, which also was cleared up, by the way, by the weird announcement from the university. First, the training staff doesn't report to the coaching staff. They're independent. They don't even report in the athletic staff, uh, department, apparently. Second, player safety should take a village. Referees, I'm not saying that they need to be held accountable, but should play an active role in like, hey, if I'm asking if he's okay, maybe I should just get someone out here. Yeah, uh, I agree. Yeah, it probably wouldn't have hurt to take him immediately out and put someone else in. Um, But uh, that didn't happen. Uh, It also would have been useful if uh, D'Antonio was equipped with all the facts before he took that question in his press conference. Uh, They clearly knew that he took a significant hit if they gestured to one of uh, each of the three backup quarterbacks uh to potentially get ready to go in so uh that would have been a higher priority for me if i were the head football coach all right with that let's turn to not a sponsor this show is brought to you by air jordan when you want people to know you're good at football turn to air jordan michael jordan best known for being amazing at multiple sports lends his name to this high performance football apparel so what better way to say i'm ready for football than a jersey featuring an emblem of a man playing basketball. Air for, Jordan. For, for a different school entirely. <laughs> not even your school. <laughs> and that's not a sponsor. Uh, Kevin, let's head off Grand River and discuss some headlines that have been happening around the world of college football and basketball. Let's start with that Minnesota-Penn State game. Yeah, you got to take them seriously now. Minnesota got a big win. Rode the boat all over Penn State. Uh, got a no, 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 no. They hopped win. on that yacht. They hopped oh, on PJ Flex. Goddamn yacht that he just financed and paid in cash after financing because he could. I like how he both financed and paid with cash. Just because, because he can. he's got such stacks right now. He's getting the bank involved even though he don't need them. Um, yeah, I mean, we've been talking about how Minnesota is a product of their schedule. That still remains the case for the 8-0 record. 
but they beat a Penn State team that MSU was not in the ball game with. So I got to tip the cap. I got to tip the cap. It also looks like they're going to be the first U of M in the Big Ten championship game. They've got a, I would say they got like a 50-50 shot at it, basically. Yeah, and you know, I think this just goes to show that um, unlike basketball season, there is not merit in having a tough schedule up front. You get 8-0, you build some confidence, you get to take on a better ranked team at home who I, I think probably has better talent, but Minnesota played with confidence, they played with strength, they played uh, with toughness, and were coached really well. Credit where credit's due. Go Gophers. Go Gophers. Speaking of playing tough games early in the season, Kentucky loses to a team whose name we did not even bother to put in the show notes. Literally. I don't even have it here. Who who was it? It was what? Uh, it's... It's deceiving. It's Evansville, which you might think, wait, is that near Northwestern? No, that's Evanston. Evansville is uh, somewhere in Indiana, I believe I heard, near another city in Indiana that I'd never heard of that is somehow a point of interest in Indiana. Uh, There are only like three of those. So uh, Evansville, Indiana uh is i'm scrolling out i'm scrolling out oh it's basically on the kentucky border that answers that question how they found out who evansville was but it's basically drive from indianapolis through bloomington and keep on going until kentucky on the way to another game and then just popped into evansville uh just because we did it for binghamton i'm gonna do it for evansville as well evansville uh, right now, Ken Palm 136. I don't know if that's a product of beating Kentucky. I don't know if he updated. I don't remember what his update schedule is, but good Lord. Unexpected. Evansville twice as good as Binghamton. Indeed. Uh, so uh, Jake Hawkins uh, also asked us on Twitter, uh, did Kentucky's loss uh, show how inexperienced they are, or is it really that much of a gap talent-wise between them and MSU? Uh, I think this is probably a product of, of Kentucky being young. Yeah, this is right. Evansville reached up, got him. That's all. Riding high on number one and too young. It's gone now. They're like Icarus, just too close too to the close. sun. Yep. Uh, so in other news, uh, Chase Young, star defensive end from uh, Ohio State University. I'm sorry, the Ohio State University. Get it right. <sighs> who was and is a beast, took approximately $800 from a quote-unquote family friend to, <laughs> that he met shortly before going to Ohio State University uh, to take his girlfriend to the Rose Bowl. Um, he, it was a loan. He paid it back this past summer and then faced up to a four-game suspension for having taken that money. And the NCAA did just recently rule that it would be a two-game suspension. He's already sat one game, so he will sit this next game against Rutgers. Who cares? And then he'll be back for Penn State and Michigan, which, you know, I'm sure the Michigan fans are uh, just on high alert about a conspiracy. Yeah. Uh, This is the first time I've ever thought maybe the NCAA had it in for Michigan. But uh, you had a particular take on this uh, as it relates to Urban Meyer's... uh, uh, 
issues last year that was interesting. Yeah, so what bothers me about this, and, and, and I get the rule, I do. This is to prevent creepy uncles, uh, you know, agents from professionalizing the sport in some way, and, and so I get it. I get why they're trying to t- keep people from taking money. But it is bonkers to me. It's beyond bonkers. It is morally bankrupt that, that Chase Young could have served a longer suspension than Urban Meyer did for covering up spousal abuse. That is insane to me. Unacceptable. Like, get your priorities straight, NCAA. I just, I can't. NCAA. Uh, next week off Grand River, we should talk about what's going on down at Memphis as well. Hopefully that situation will have played itself out a little bit more and we'll have more to talk about. But uh, yeah, NCAA uh, not having good looks uh, here, there, everywhere. Uh, can, can you remember the last time they did have a good look, though? I mean, no one's going to be like, way to, way to be, NCAA. I'm a fan. You're great. I'll yeah, love I, I you, suppose- NCAA. I suppose the NCAA is like the government. You just, yeah, whatever. Um, last off Grand River, this is just a little pet topic of mine. I don't understand how Iowa is still ranked. Checking in on Iowa. Hello, Iowa. Iowa, who I am genuinely, if I had to root for a team, a fan of, but now I have to root for Minnesota. Um, but losses to Michigan. Wisconsin, Penn State. I know they were close losses, but still losses. Yeah. I I also like of Iowa how Kirk Ferentz is like a mirror image of Mark D'Antonio, and by all accounts, they do not care for one another. So, Oh, I did not know that. That's what what they say in the media. That's what the meteors say. Uh, That's what I hear. Uh, If I had a AP vote, Iowa would not be on my list, but I was never that high on them to begin with, so... I heard uh, one of the Only Colors guys uh, mentioned something that I, I thought was kind of astute about Iowa, and I don't mean to dump on Iowa for too long, but uh, and they were let's make it the rest of the pod. We got nothing yeah. else to talk about this. We just pivoted to Iowa, all Iowa, all the time. This is just Mark turning it. into a Big Ten West uh, podcast. Um, but the the point was, and someone had told uh, them this that Iowa is the barometer of the Big Ten. Mm. Iowa is steady as you go, and so how you did against Iowa tells you exactly who you are in the Big Ten. Mm. Thought it was kind of an interesting point. Stuck with me. Okay. I'll keep that in mind. Anyway, uh, before we get to your Twitter questions, we have another word from not a sponsor. (laughs) Can't Read, Can't Write is proud to announce its latest not a sponsor, King Oscar Sardines. King Oscar Oscar Sardines wants to commemorate the rivalry game this weekend by introducing its Big House Tin of Sardines. It contains 107, 601,000 sardines to celebrate the viewing experience of all in attendance this weekend. Beautiful. King Oscar Sardines. No space in there, just like the Big House. Very good. All right, Kevin. Yeah. Michael. Let's get to some Twitter questions. We Let's are go. running long, so we're going to do these rapid fire. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Uh, also, great week to get... Uh, how many do we have here? What 
I mean, this is this sums to all the previous weeks combined. I think. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and and Jake Hawkins did ask us. Uh, yeah, we've already even covered some of Jake's, yeah. and we've Jake still also got asked 10 us. More. Jake also asked us, "What do we do about mental health in this country?" Uh, <laughs> which uh, Jer Bear gave him a little bit of uh, flack for, um, but but we did try and do something about it up top in the episode. So Jake Hawkins does care about the topic, and I thought it was at least a, trying to bring awareness to it, and I thought that was a great question. Great work, Jake. Jake first asks, if D'Antonio were to retire and you could pick one of these guys to replace him at MSU, who would it be? Matt Campbell at Iowa State, Luke Fickle at Cincinnati, Pat Narduzzi at Pitt, or any other name that you can think of? Uh, I... I mean, I think everyone's sort of clamoring for Fickle right now. Fickle, Fickle's hot. Uh, I know you're going to go Narduzzi on this, though. Yeah, look at Narduzzi's defensive stats and tell me you're not interested. Narduzzi also around for when we hit greatness. Narduzzi also not afraid to fire a guy. So I'm all in on the Narduzzi train, though the one person not on his list that I also am interested in, Matt Rule down at Baylor. Uh, I will say that Narduzzi's done okay in pit-adjusted terms. Uh, he's not been Pitt's greatest head coach of all time, but he has won big games, and he's been generally reliable to win games that he should be winning. So uh, I wouldn't be upset if Pat Narduzzi was the next coach. But as I said earlier, I'm leaning out on uh, Mark D'Antonio uh, retiring at the end of the season. So Isn't Pitt in the Coastal Division? Bro. What coast are they on? I'm just we, curious. We already moved to the, the West uh, division of the Big Ten. We're getting further away from Pitt. I don't know anything <laughs> about them. All right. Uh, what small percentage would you give MSU to possibly win on Saturday? Uh, we're going to cover this in greater detail. 10-15? What do you think? I don't know why I have to pick a small percentage. Uh, I'm going, I don't know, 25? I, I'm higher on the possibility than most. Yeah. Because I hate Michigan. Um, other than a solid performance from Cassius, given his family situation, what's needed from the MSU team to get a real solid win on Thursday against Seton Hall? Uh, that's a great question. Um, are are we assuming that their guard is still going to be out, uh, on Thursday? Actually, you know what? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to say, Jake, you're just going to have to listen for the preview because we'll cover it there. Okay, great. All right. Uh, other than the famous, whoa, he has trouble with a snap quote. What's your favorite thing to say or fire back at a Michigan fan? Ooh, particular thing to say or fire back at a Michigan fan. I think, I think it's just, you don't bother. I, I think it's just, if you don't even take the time, that bothers them more than anything. What do you think? Um, Is there any, like, I'm not, I'm not 19 to 21 anymore, so I don't get in a lot of, fights with Michigan fans. What, what do you got? Oh, oh boy. Wait for the rest of Jake's questions. <laughs> uh, uh, so is uh, Chad Henney still rhymes with douchebag an option? I mean, it's beautiful. Put it on a t-shirt. <sighs> Next question. <laughs> Have you ever gotten into a fist fight with a Michigan fan over an MSU-Michigan rivalry? No, but I have seen it happen. Have you seen it? Uh, it yes. Yes, I have. It was, uh, mine was two strangers, but it was clear that that was what they were fighting over. Uh, what was your time? Um, 
it was at MSU. We were in college. It was on Gunson Street. Uh, honestly, a little foggy on the details. It was a long yeah. day, long night. Um, can't read, can't write. Can't read, can't write. Long day, long night. Um, also have gotten in, like, kind of... Uh, serious relationship deteriorating fights with i didn't know if we were we were going to go there or not uh i don't know if they're i don't know if they're listening so they're not because i was gonna say you know who you are um but yeah i don't care for them and their arrogance more and more clear as we get more towards hate week this is oh it's starting to build i can hear it in you and we don't have the explicit rating on our podcast, so it, like I gotta keep myself contained. Gotta keep PG one three, PG one three for Apple Podcasts, man. Yeah. All right. Is there anybody in your family that you feud with over the Michigan Michigan State rivalry? Uh, none of my family members went to Michigan, so I any kind of lighthearted jabbing, I don't let it get any further than that. Uh, Wait, but isn't isn't there a house divided? My sister and brother in law have but it's pretty friendly they they don't he he is listening by the way that one that one's listening so, that was pretty friendly in fact he was wearing an msu uh hooded sweatshirt to the Albion game so um we don't we don't really have one of those it would be more of friends back when we were actually in school that the that the actual feuding and the rivalry and the you know, right around when you had your falling out, that that would be the peak of it. What do you think? What do you got? Uh, so I would I would say no, uh, no friends or family that I feud with over the Michigan Michigan State rivalry because um, to get me to feud with them gets me to the point where they're dead to me. <laughs> Next question: Best memory of Charles Rogers? Oh, I'm about to fuse this with the next question. I'm Charles Rogers. I got how many catches and how many touchdowns. I used to pull that up on YouTube just because it would be in the back of my head sometimes. Uh, I just liked it. I, I watched that. I don't know how many views, whatever version of that there is on YouTube, but dozens of them are from me over the years. Uh, so, yeah, to answer Jake's next question, I do like the Madden 2004 commercial with Charles Rogers in it. What's yours? Great. Obviously, touchdown, Notre Dame. Boom. Next. I mean, that's the one. Do you think the Michigan-Michigan Michigan, Michigan State rivalry will get the fans so tensed up that it will cost a person and or tree their life like it has in the Auburn-Alabama rivalry? Jake, your questions got progressively darker. Yeah. Um, this is the roll damn tide. I, I think you have some feelings about Michigan, and we should talk. Uh, I, unfortunately you can't, uh, spike the, uh, the, the quad crest, whatever they call it, whatever you can't step on or you're going to fail your first exam, which is just the dumbest thing. I always walk over that dumb M. I'm so glad that MSU has nothing like that. Well, we Uh, have Sparty, but you know. Yeah, but there's no like, oh, you know, don't, don't make eye contact with Sparty or you'll (laughs) like his, uh, his eyes follow you. Yeah. It's dumb. Y'all dumb. Uh, I, if you could kill that that quad seal thing, I'd think about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Next up, Brandon List asks, 
Predictions on the basketball season across the Big Ten. Who gives the Spartans their biggest challenge in conference play? Kevin, I'm going to let you take this one because I think the answer is pretty obvious here, but I'm curious if, if you have a different opinion. Oh, I don't know where you're going to go with this. Uh, I have not looked at our schedule in that great detail, but I think Purdue is going to be formidable. And uh, everyone keeps looking at Maryland, but I think they're going to find a way to to mess it up. Uh, and also Ohio State, uh, I think is going to I think people sort of slept on them last year, sort of forgot that Ohio State's out there lying in the in the weeds. They got some dudes. Uh, so those would be my top three. What were you? Yeah, I, I, Maryland. I think Maryland is the biggest challenge in the conference, though. I do think you're spot on about Ohio State. I, uh, I believe I forget when the game is. I think it's at their place. Yeah. Um, uh, that one, I think, is a possible drop. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Brandon wants to take it back to the gridiron. Is there a possibility that MSU could go an 0-3 to finish the season? Uh, wow, I can't even imagine what we would be talking about in the next <laughs> four weeks if they went 0-3 to finish the season. That would be such a meltdown. I, I mean, it's possible, but we'll give it a 1% chance. If we go 0-3, I am going to fly back to Michigan, drive up to East Lansing, tear down the John Hanna statue like it's Saddam Hussein, and storm the castle gates on... If we lose to Rutgers... Rutgers. Okay, be careful. Be careful. You just walked out of the realm of 0-3, which requires three losses, into the realm which requires one loss. So, check the words. No, no, no. No, no, no. He said 0-3 to finish the season. I thought you were saying even if we lose to Rutgers, you might have this sort of uh, outburst. No, no, no. I'm saying if we lose to Rutgers, I will have this outburst. We could, if we drop Michigan and Maryland, I'm not happy. But if I'm storming the gates, it's because we lost to Rutgers because that team is bad. There good. are high school teams that could and should beat that Rutgers team. All right. Scott Bobot. Scott A. Was this the worst loss of the Scott Bobot era of MSU football, which is 2006 to the present? He, uh, uh, oh, you, these are your notes. Yes. Uh, I was having this conversation with uh, the people that I was going home from the game with. It is the greatest meltdown I can remember. But in terms of worst losses, for some reason, the loss to Central in 2009 sticks out to me. That was a bad season. Anyway, I think that was the Raider Hall year. Uh, I think that was technically a losing season. I think uh, with the loss to Texas Tech in the in the bowl game that year. Uh, so that was bad. If I was pointing at one loss that hurt more than this, I don't think anything will ever rip my heart out of my chest the way that Russell Wilson did in the first Big Ten championship game when he arm punted that ball. Uh, for a touchdown i can't even i can't even think about the circumstances of the game and that you know blocking you know you know running into the kicker penalty and I, oh yeah like, where he totally blood, he deserved it an academy award for that my blood is boiling oh my favorite player Keyshawn martin had an amazing punt return on that play that oh, i'm done i think the worst loss will always be the first Big Ten championship game, particularly because at the time it felt like this might have been the program's chance 
we know now in hindsight that it wasn't that they'd win two more big 10 championship games they not just return but win two uh but that night in that stadium uh was the maybe the lowest point of my uh spartans fandom you um so that big 10 championship game is a solid choice i would also put uh the notre dame loss in the monsoon i think that was 2006 you also said that was your your most fun drunk moment last week yeah i know devotees will recall you had the uh, best of times worst of times yeah exactly um and then possibly um I guess what was the year that Stanton got hurt at the big house? That was 2005. Oh yeah. That was the, is that the Braylon Edwards comeback? Uh, yeah. When they were, when, when Wolverines were cheering that a player got hurt. Yeah. I hate you. I'm getting, I'm getting heated. All right. Um, Scott Bobot asks next land grant, sea grant, space grant, sun grant. What's next? Uh, uh, we've got, uh, air grant. We missed air. I'm going with elements here. Gold Grant. What do you got? Um, Hellscape Grant. Hellscape. Okay. I don't know. Is this, I mean, it could be an XFL trophy. I don't know. Um, CT and TC asks for the second week in a row using a, uh, a GIF from the office. I have a lot of questions for you. Number one, how dare you? How dare you? How dare you? We should have answered that in gift form. We'll do that afterwards. We'll answer him in his preferred medium. Yeah, I mean, he's a Wolverine. He gets no, no answers this way. Yep. Um, Upper Deck Jerk Guy wants to there know. There it is. You- Here's a segment. You DJG. Have you ever been concussed? Apparently, I have not, but you... I, I have been concussed. Um, I, uh, I got jumped while I was in Philly, uh, and so that was a bummer. Um, and then I would also say every time he tweets, it kind of feels like that again. So there's that. Um, <laughs> we love you. Apparently his name's Matt, by the way. Ooh. Are you, are you doxing him right now? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, be careful he listens, man he, he listens to us on two times speed and so he, he said our voices sounded terrible at normal speed um should michigan state just hire mediocre coaches and aim for mediocre seasons and use the money to reinstate lacrosse teams i wouldn't use it for lacrosse teams uh i would uh i would use it to build that giant spartans statue that looks over Spartan Stadium that you see oftentimes on the Red Cedar message board. That's what I would do with the money. Something sort of akin to the disgusting Block M that uh, is over the big house. What? Did they just have a looming Block M? I'll have to show you this graphic. People okay. listening will likely understand. I have a feeling the upper deck jerk guy will know exactly what I'm talking about. Great. Love it. Uh, here's my answer, uh, upper deck jerk guy. Uh, and this is probably going to alienate some listeners, but whatever. Uh, you can have Greek life or you can have lacrosse, but you can't have both. Mm. Mm. So. Shots fired. <laughs> Next, has the White Claw fad peaked? Uh, no, 
here to say uh those other non beer non mixed drink drinks options those like mike's hard things those were awful i'd so much rather reach for a, a white claw than that did uh, you see natty light has a seltzer now that's see natty knows <laughs> follow the natty natty the knows things best that natty does trust in that i think you're going to be seeing hard seltzers for some time uh next question who will be the starting qb for the spartans next year uh you know you mike jones will be the starting qb for the spartans next year no jones has uh, got it theo let's go theo theo yep. i if i do think honestly right plays, it it i think it comes down to peyton thorne and theo day i do think that's where the competition will be i i think lombardi's gonna gonna bail Agreed. All right. If Cassius doesn't travel to Seton Hall, uh, does Rocket or Frosty, Frosty. see more time at the? <laughs> I mean, he is ice cold on the shooting, and not in the way that you want. Um, they both are. Yeah. So uh, Rocket Sophie's Watts or choice yeah, for yeah, shooting Sophie, is concerned. Indeed. Uh, yeah. So uh, Rocket Watts or uh, Foster Lawyer, who's going to get more time at the point? We learned against Kentucky. The answer is Rocket. Rocket was bringing the ball up way more than I think a lawyer played like three minutes, right? In that game. Uh, now, Rocket was playing quite a bit off the ball, but he was also on the ball a good amount of that time as well. Yeah, I'm with you. I, 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 if nothing else, uh, Rocket presents an athletic threat that uh, Frosty doesn't. So, yeah. Um, all right. Every fall, the basketball team loses a game or three, and the fans start questioning the team. Will this ever end? I think this is a great question. Yeah. I mean, it makes us think whether or not this is the same cycle, the same wheel in the sky that keeps on turning. Uh, this isn't, you're getting into Dom territory over here, upper deck jerk guy. Uh, I would say that this is not the same thing. Oh, every fall, the basketball team. Oh, yeah, those people are dumb. Uh, I mean, who, trust Izzo. How many Final Fours that do need to go to? Um, I don't. Th- I didn't hear any whining or any fallout from the uh, from the fan base for losing to Kentucky. I think if you drop Seton Hall and Duke, there's going to be some some moaning out there. But I think the expectations are reasonably high for this team, and I don't pay much attention when people whine about Izzo. I would also just add that um, I think the. I think some of this is what it is to be a Spartan, uh, perpetually aggrieved, always insecure about your your athletic prowess. Um, I no, and, and and when you can have the expectations that we have in basketball, you know, you, I I just think there's al- there's always going to be that fear, and, and maybe it's football that really does it to us, but that fear of drop off. So I I don't think it ends. I don't think it's reasonable or right, but like. I, I'm with Greg on that, but I just don't think it ends. <laughs> All right, Let's just skip that one. We can't. Yeah. Too, yeah, I'm not answering. Too raw. You know yeah, which right. question this is, upper deck jerk guy. Uh, will Dom ever get a cryptocurrency bit on the pod? We were talking about that, actually. I love that that came up. That's Dom's background these days. Yeah. If, if Dom ever wants to come on and plug some crypto. Sure. <laughs> Help us with our wallets, man. Yeah, we'll just ask him to explain it to us. <laughs> Dude. 
All right, next. Uh, what's a conspiracy you actually believe in? Uh, Upper Deck Jerk Guy believes uh, it's something about lizard people. Oh, it's obviously the lizard people thing. Lizard people control everything. Uh, they're disguised as humans. Uh, that is the, the conspiracy that I believe. The, the lizard people. There's also Flat Earth. That's a good one, but it's a little too trendy right now. We'll go with, we'll go with um, the Nazis went to the moon. How's that? Great. Love it. I refuse to believe that Lee Harvey Oswald is the only person involved in the JFK shooting. Mm. Um, <laughs> Upper Deck Jerk Guy asked, what's uh, America's beet beer? Um, but I think he meant best. So, uh, Kevin? Well, if we haven't made a beet beer yet, uh, that's our chance. So let's open up a new brewery and let's start making beet beers. And uh, yeah, that'll that'll take over for all of the uh, the white claws and the hard seltzers. Beet beers will replace all of that. What do you think? Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. There we go. Uh, I'm having a Miller Lite. Love it. Um, and I think I think it was Dom who said in response, "Whatever's in your hand." Next question. That was a good, um, good answer. All right. So next up, uh, another not a sponsor. Uh, this one is a public service announcement in response to uh, Michigan's cornerback Ambry Thomas's comments. Um, the Girl Scouts of America would like you to know that you should stop gendering winning and losing. And if you do, they would invite you to trip over your dick. Girl Scouts of America, stop gendering winning and losing. This is a uh, a response in case you didn't catch it to the little brother little sister type banter that's going back and forth. Uh, so that's what that, that's what that's about. Little background, little acquired knowledge for that joke. Anyway, but uh, but seriously, stop it. Like, I you know let's. I'm I'm interested in this. I, we're going off script on this. When we talked about the next topic is Michigan and Hate Week. When we talked about it, you and me earlier when we went through the agenda one of the things that we were one of one of the main points was there doesn't seem to be much hype for this game on saturday there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of people looking forward to it in the fan base they seem to be more interested in uh potentially uh you know wallowing in the filth of the illinois game but listening to you here today go through the few Michigan questions that we had, and I can hear the blood pressure rising over on the other <laughs> microphone. Like, there is something to this, isn't there? Even if Spartan fans are not in it right now, come Saturday at noon, two or three snaps into the game, they're going to remember why they don't like that team. They don't, they want to win that game badly and why it is very personal in a way that I'm not aware of other college rivalries being. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious, uh, you know, um, I think for us, it, it, it certainly is a bit fueled by the fact that, their their uh their bowl game uh occurs with a school that's not in the same state um yeah but it doesn't have the vitriol that this does and we know that it doesn't 
Yeah, no, no, no. I'm saying part of our animosity uh, is uh, that they don't take us seriously. Yeah, but I dismiss um, that entirely. I don't, I don't take that argument. Oh, I, seriously. I, 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 I see. I see your point. Argument. I see your point. Yeah, because you're because you're right. Because we get it back. Um. Yeah. No. I. I it is personal. Like, I mean, it, it really is. It, it is, it is people that you grew up with. Um, it is family members and it is a different outlook on education and what its purpose is and, and what, who educational institutions serve. And then you boil that down into an athletic contest where that is primarily based on hitting another person. <laughs> I mean, it is a little I, football itself is a little anachronistic. It, it like you couldn't create it today. You wouldn't no, go set out and no. make football. <laughs> Could you imagine a gym teacher being like, "Guys, we're gonna play a game today." No, no. Eleven now. of you line up over there. Eleven of you line up over there. Right now, just run full bore into one another. Let's go. Let I mean, go. the way the way we treat uh, dodgeball in this country. You know, like, yeah, no, football certainly could not be invented today. Uh, but no, I, 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 I'm curious. Yeah, I, I am genuinely curious about, um, well, I, I know why I don't like them. Yeah. Right. And, and I'm sure that, and they're, it, it is, is many things that are projected sort of at large from the university, but there are also very, personal stories connected to why I don't like them from people that I'm sure their fan base thinks is a wonderful representative of their fan base. Hmm. I'm not talking about, you know, the, the Yahoo who didn't go to your school, who, you know, needs these victories from the boomer days to get justify his existence, which there's plenty of you. Um, that's how you fit 107,000 people in there. All right, I'm I'm just I'm I'm rolling now. All right, go. All right, go. Let her rip. I don't have. It, it takes more for me to get this same level. I I've been complacent in my Michigan hatred uh, as a product of being so successful against them athletically as my teams have been for the last decade for basketball the entire time that I've been paying attention. I mean at a certain point beeline over you know if you want to grab like a three or four year window he sort of pulled neck and neck with msu but over the course of the time that i've been a spartan fan uh basketball has been solidly msu's hockey has been 50 50 it's gone both ways uh they probably actually it probably skews a little bit more michigan way and now football, I mean, I remember how sweet that first win was against Michigan. And then I just sort of got used to it. And there's also the fact that I'm still here in the state and I interact with Michigan fans all the time and you are not here. So you took that hatred. It was like a little snapshot of it and you left with it. Whereas I'm here and I interact with them all the time. And the best way to not be bothered by Michigan fans or Michigan alumni is to be around them frequently. 
uh, not that you're going to, I don't want to take, I don't want people to take that as like, you know, you'll start to like them. Certainly that's not the case, but you, uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is if there is such a thing as the MSU inferiority complex, the best way to fix it is to be around a bunch of Michigan alumni over a period of time. Well, no, but, but this just, it makes the the point more maddening that they, they carry this air of superiority with them. Yeah, but I don't even take it seriously anymore. No, it it, it glances off my back. Like, I remember I went to, uh, I went to law school with someone who, who went to U of M for undergrad. And she started talking all this smack about how their school's better than ours. I'm like, we're at the same law school. <laughs> this weekend, we're in the same spot, bro, bro. What's the same Good for you? your leg up, I guess. Like, uh, ugh. All right, let's just, let's talk about the game. I don't have much to say. I, I'm not sure that the game matters that much. Is a convenient thing to say in a game that I earlier on the podcast said that uh, MSU has a 10 to 15% chance of uh, winning. But uh, the point remains, I, I think this is more about emotions outside of football. Football is a proxy for a very personal rivalry that does not exist on the same level that U of M Ohio State exists on, which is purely a football level. They don't care when they play baseball against one another. They don't play. They don't care when they play basketball against one another. Chrysler Center doesn't sell out when Ohio State comes to town to play basketball the way that it sells out when MSU is there. So, I, it's going to be a tough game. You, go ahead, preview the game. Go. All right. Look, we'll just say places to watch. Right. Um, things to watch for because we're not X's and O's people like there are better podcasts out there that that can cover this stuff. And so just want to highlight places that if we're going to succeed, though, I will say sort of on the meta point that this is a game that can save the season in the sense of this is a bit of legacy for a lot of these players. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying throw out the record book. I'm not saying throw out everything you've seen. I'm just saying that after dumping three in a row against top 10 teams, you can maybe appreciate, though they came out strong against Illinois, so it doesn't totally make sense, but you, they're not playing for as much in the Illinois game, but Mm -hmm. they're playing for something very different right now. Um, Sure, bowl eligibility would be great, but this is, this is a playing for dignity in a different way. Um, So there's that. But things to watch for. Uh, Shea Patterson is a turnover machine. He's the quarterback for the University of Michigan. Any amount of pressure he gets on him, he is wet in his pants. Um, And unless Michigan is able to execute an offense akin to uh, what Indiana did or what Wisconsin did, which is those quick passes under two seconds, I don't anticipate... um, Michigan playing a flawless game. And so there will be opportunities to turn the tide. Michigan is also probably weakest at the D tackle position on defense. So it was encouraging to see the push that we got in the interior of the line this past weekend. 
Uh, I'm not saying you should anticipate the same level of push, but I, I am curious to see if Elijah Collins is able to put up some yards. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, uh, the the last thing I'd say is be prepared to maybe get burned a couple times. It's clear that our secondary is developing, is I think the nicest way of saying it. Um, and so they've, they've got some receivers. They've got some dudes there. So um, if this game is going to be close, MSU is going to have to put up some points. Um, luckily, we've got some speed right now at some youthful play uh, skill positions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, and they're playing for a, a pride that only a Spartan can actually understand. Sure. Uh, and I'll add to all of that, which was great. If you're in town on Saturday for the game, stop <laughs> over at Fraser's Pub. Pick up that golden ticket. Claim your free beer. Uh, be the first one. Let us know. Uh, and it's not a, to be clear. It's not a free beer. We're actually paying for it. So, oh yeah, it's on us. It's on us. Go That's in. a better way of saying it. Yeah, go in. First person in. Can't read. Can't write. Sent you. Uh, and uh, maybe we'll find a way to hook you up with a sticker if you're the first person, so you can support the pod. I'm not sure they have a the sticker. I don't know if it got left there. I'll have to anyway. I'll figure that out. Yeah. Uh, all right. Seton so, Hall. Yeah. Let's talk about. <laughs> The other big game. They're ranked twelfth right now. They are twelfth in the AP. Yeah, I believe. Uh, we're currently number three, though. Obviously, after Kentucky's loss, we'll bounce back up. Gotta assume uh, there's gonna be a reshuffling. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, but MSU that'll won. happen after this game. So this is subject to change. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Greg, give us some stats here. Yeah, so MSU remains Ken Palm number one team in the country. Again, I, I don't know his update schedule, but I have to imagine it's uh it's happened um since the season started. Seton Hall, Ken Palm number twenty one. They're also in all likelihood looking through their media and through their, you know, social media presence, it, it looks like they're going to be missing their, you know, preseason uh conference player of the year uh point guard miles powell uh on a sprained ankle i believe right yes yeah so um he's got an ankle injury he's expected to be out everyone talks about the size of seton hall which uh is a concern to me because msu's bigs can't afford foul trouble we saw how that goes in the first half against kentucky Xavier Xavier Tillman needs to be in that game as much as possible. So if there was one spot that I would be concerned about, it would be keeping the bigs that MSU wants to have on the floor on the floor in dealing with their length. Yeah, and look, I think from a from a meta level you know, this is potentially a pretty tough game. Uh, it's also worth remembering that while it MSU is saying that Cassius Winston will be traveling with the team and mm-hmm. will be playing, uh, that decision remains with Cassius. Certainly, I, I would expect none of our listeners and, and no one in Spartan Nation to fault him if he, if he chose not to go on the road. Right. Um, you know, that would probably be his first time away from family uh, since, uh, since his brother's passing. Um, but 
so, you know, we both could be out our star point guards. Um, that said, you know, uh, this will be, if MSU comes out on top, and I don't know if he said, they're favored by six. Um, this will be a quality road win, a huge resume booster for the tournament, um, and could tee up another number one versus number two matchup uh, when Duke comes to the Breslin Against Center. Duke, that'd be great. Uh, it's also worth noting that this is a huge program night for Seton Hall. Uh, I don't know much about their usual seating arrangements, arrangements, but they're apparently opening up the upper deck, which only happens select games. Uh, they've sold something like 13,000 tickets, which is a big number that they're excited about. Uh, this is the highest ranked non-conference opponent to visit the Pirates since MSU did it as number two in the year 2000. And they're going to have their ex-coach, Bill Rafferty, in the house, calling onions. So expect to get a little upset. There might be some homerisms on the call. Uh, Bill's not been the coach there for some time, so I bet he's you know a bit rosy on things these days. Uh, but he's a pro. Uh, so there's those external factors that, as well to be worked against that it's going to be, there's going to be a lot of energy oh, in that building wait. on Thursday. Oh, I'm sorry. I misunderstood you. Bill Rafferty is, is refereeing. What's that? Are you saying Bill referee, Rafferty is refereeing? No, but that would be hilarious. Oh, I was, I was like, when you were talking about the homerism, oh, I see, I see. On, on the, the broadcast. On the, on there, the broadcast. There could be some like, homerism. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, because it was like, I thought it would be Big Ten officials. Um, either way, uh, should be a, a fantastic game and, and one that uh, very much worth tuning into. And, and we'll continue to find out about this team. I, I do suspect that there are going to be different people clicking on different nights. Maybe this is the night that Rocket Watts blows up and Marcus Bingham looks like Marcus Bingham of, of, of last year. Um, you know, uh, this team is going to take a while to start firing all pistons together, I think. Indeed. So. Well, with that, thank you uh, for listening. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, not sorry that this episode took a, a different uh, format than usual. Um, you know, we appreciate you, uh, you, sh- you know, sharing the word and, and, you know, uh, if there's, I think one thing that's worth taking out of this week that Izzo shared is, you know, if you haven't called a friend, if you haven't called a loved one in a while, uh, take a second to pick up the phone, reach out and just, just say, Hey, cause, um, I think we all feel pretty lucky to be part of the Spartan community and, Mm -hmm. uh, we certainly do here. And so, you know, we would like on a sincere note, I know we're pretty lighthearted, but to say thanks for thanks for taking the time to to listen to us and uh and we appreciate uh getting to interact with all of you and so, someone go to frazier's and have one on us on Saturday. please <laughs> uh have we mentioned frazier's packard avenue uh plastic cups wood, pan- wood, wood paneling. paneling uh it it is it's tailgating with wood paneling i don't know how you could be upset about it and again I, we mentioned this on an earlier pod walkable to the stadium I've found myself bringing wood paneling to my MSU tailgates just because, you know, it's, it really <laughs> elevates the experience. So uh, go green, <laughs> grab go a white. beer on us, and we'll talk to you next week.
Thanks, guys.